Hey, everybody. Welcome to Inside Situation, a bi-weekly podcast where we share with you some of the conversations that are happening within the four walls of the agency. I'm Jordan Person. I manage business development for the agency. I'm sitting in for Peter Yajisic this week, our usual host. He's out on assignment. And so I get to live out my Charlie Rose dreams, having a conversation with some of my favorite coworkers. So today we are going to talk about collaboration. And for those of you who listened to the last episode of the podcast, you heard us talk about how as we get into 2016, we want to expand some of the conversations we're having to focus uh, more widely on what it's like to work in a creative field and what are some of the unique challenges and opportunities that we're faced every day in the work that we do. So joining me for this conversation are my coworkers, Kevin McCauley, who our listeners will know or recognize, I should say, uh, from our creative team. Hey, Kevin. Hey, Jordan. And I also have Jackie Lau, the lead of our project management team, uh, who is here joining us for the very first time on the podcast. We're excited to have her. Welcome, Jackie. Thank you, Jordan. I'm excited y'all are here. We're excited to be here. I have to say, that yeah. was a wonderful introduction. Thank I think you. Peter better watch his back. No, <laughs> what I'm really worried about is, do you think Charlie Rose is listening? <laughs> I'll email Doubtful. him later and ask. <laughs> Good. Great. Well, so like I said, today we're going to focus on collaboration and we're really going to kind of dive into the question, what does it take to be a great collaborator? So the way that I thought we should start, because collaboration can be defined in so many ways, is in the size of a tweet, how would you define a great collaborator? So in other words, a really brief answer. Kevin, do you want to start? Sure. Hold on. I'm counting characters in my head. <laughs> I think I got it. Um, great collaborators trust the people around them as much as they trust themselves. I like it. That's nice. That's nice. So that rooted in this idea of trust. Okay. Let's, let's pause. We're going to come back to that. Jackie, what's yours? Uh, I'm going to say it's rooted in diversity. So bringing a group of people with unique points of views together to sort of solve or achieve a common goal, something that you really would be better off doing as a group and not on your own. Mm -hmm. So that level of diversity. Great. So we have trust, diversity. And then the way I think about it or the way I would define it is a great collaborator to me is someone who brings out my best work and generally makes great work feel more like great play. And um, just the idea of oftentimes I feel like when you're in collaborative environments, sometimes your best work comes out of these moments where it feels like you're just having so much fun kind of thinking around all of these items, all of these things. So great. Okay, love it. So I feel like we're all on the same page when it comes to great collaborators are definitely special people. But the first question that I have for you guys is uh, pretty straightforward. Do you think that great collaborators are born or are they made? Um, I have a three-year-old, <laughs> so I have very strong opinions on this. Uh, I think you are born a dictator <laughs> and you learn to collaborate. Um, I, collaboration has many different meanings, but when you're born, you're very much all about yourself. And I watch how he's growing and sometimes it's uncomfortable to watch conflict with his friends, but I let it play out mm -hmm. uh, versus stepping in because I feel like there's some real skills being established at that age and they're learning how to collaborate because they truly do not know. Right. I definitely agree with you. I feel like great collaborators 
are made. They're not born. It would be too depressing of a world to feel like you couldn't improve that about yourself <laughs> or the people that you work with or live with even. So, but this idea of Jack, of Jackie's son named Jack is the most adorable <laughs> little boy. So, and you watch him, you see kind of him developing these skills. And obviously it makes sense that flexing those muscles when you're working with other people or in Jack's case, playing with other people it makes sense that that's an opportunity to to use those muscles. But do you feel like there are uh, solo activities that he has that, or, or things that you do together that you feel like that's a great way for him to practice that? Or it's, it's a hard question. But in other words, what I'm getting at is if the idea is true that great collaborators are made and not born, then what we have to assume is that it's a skill you can practice. So if you can practice it, what is the best way to practice it? I don't think there's like a particular thing that you can do over and over. I think it's about being around people who possess the skill and really absorbing that skill and learning how to use it and build on it. And I've been fortunate enough, I think everyone in situation, to be exposed to some really great collaborators. And I think when you have it, you really gravitate toward it and respect it because it Egos in this industry can be very difficult and that impedes good collaboration. Mm -hmm. So I think it's really all about setting the tone for him and talking to him about why it's important and mimicking those behaviors and not as much like, okay, now we're going to go away and do this thing that's going to make you a great collaborator. Right, right. (laughs) Because that's just not natural. It's got to be kind of organic. Well, so... I would say, Jackie, not to put you on the spot, but I would say when it comes to great collaborators at Situation, you are the best of the best. Bless him. (laughs) (laughs) It's true, though. And so I guess what I would ask you is what – how did is do you, can you look at specific examples in your life whether that was while you were growing up i know team sports played a big role for you growing up are there examples that you can look back on and you say whether you realized it or at, at the time or not that was a moment in my life where wow i really was dropped into this idea where i had to play and play well in the sandbox in a way that i didn't expect i could for sure i think team sports are huge uh just being a sibling also i mean yeah. that's huge kind of navigating those family relationships um you know we all hate those group projects in college but for sure they are really really purposeful uh and just for the littler kids just allowing that free play to occur versus everything being so structured i think we're unconsciously building these skills in our youth using those tools. Yeah. Team sports for me, definitely I look back on and I hadn't thought about it, but I love your point about a sibling. Yeah. I have two siblings too. And learning to navigate those relationships that it definitely feels like that's a way that you, that most people who are lucky enough to have siblings learn to do that. And the other thing I'll say for me is I did a lot of babysitting growing up and I think babysitting definitely is something that you have to learn this idea of kind of collaboration, creative negotiation. Yeah. You definitely need the cooperation of the other individuals involved in order to get that done. So. Yeah. True. Kevin, what about you? Is there anything looking back that you feel like, oh, that I, I learned so much? I mean, a lot of what you guys are saying, team sports, really, like we were talking about practice before. How can you practice collaboration? The only way to practice collaboration is to practice collaboration, to mm. put yourself out there in situations, whether it's sports or theater or improv just 
situations where you have to work with the people around you to get the job done. It can't be a one-person show. And that's the best way to do it, even if it's not happening in your work environment. Maybe like join a group, join a hobby that uh, inspires you, but uh, where you have to work with other people. That really opens you up. Well, that I think actually leads to an interesting idea. That When you say join a group or find a hobby that you like and find some uh, extra expression of that, because I do feel like when you talk about collaboration or, or when you talk about any quality, but especially collaboration, I feel like great collaborators often have what I'll call symptoms of other qualities. And there's this idea that uh, you know, I'm going to hypothesize that if you're a great collaborator, you probably show a great amount of empathy in your life and a great amount of curiosity. And the reason that I think that is because it's like if you are collaborative, that w- one of the reasons that make you good at being collaborative is that you do a good job of, uh, to your point, Jackie, of when you're sitting around a table with a diverse group of people who have many different points of view, you do a good job of putting yourself in each of those seats thinking, yes, this is what I'm bringing to the table. This is what I think. But, oh, I hadn't thought about it the way that Jackie's presenting it, but I can see where she's coming from and I can see a world where she's right, you know, where she could be right or something. And maybe I'm wrong the way I'm thinking about it, you know, and being open to that. And that I do think takes practice. And that I do think stems from uh, curiosity when it comes to either learning about anything, learning about other people, learning about other cultures, learning about other technologies, whatever it is, and empathy, the ability to kind of empathize with the situation that someone's in and think about that. Do you guys feel like there are other qualities that great collaborators often exhibit that might kind of earmark their their success as a great collaborator? I definitely think uh, being humble and sort of uh, expressing your own vulnerabilities to the group makes you a good collaborator because it sort of brings down the intimidation level of the group. It, it expresses that you're you're just as flawed as everyone else and we're all open to each other's opinions and no one in the room is, you know, while there are titles because that's the world we live in, when we sort of it sort of puts everybody on that level playing field and gives them that comfort level to really be open and express those feelings that are so important to, to come up with a great solution. And I think great collaborators are often very confident, not overly confident in the way that they step on people, but confident enough to say, this is me. This is who I am. This is what I know. This is what I bring to the table, which also means understanding what you don't bring to the table and what other people can. So I think that confidence plays a big key in that. I completely agree. I think I, I love the way that you said that. And I think the reverse of that is oftentimes if you are in a situation when you're dealing with someone who maybe isn't the best collaborator, who's someone who's struggling with that, it I have found in my experience, it often feels like that inability to be collaborative is often rooted in a fear or insecurity that makes it challenging for that person to be vulnerable mm-hmm. and to be open to the idea that there might be a different lens through which to look at this specific challenge, problem, project, whatever it is. Uh, so I, I agree with you that it's like this cross it's being both confident and humble and uh, allowing that, you know, you don't have all the answers, though you might have some uh, great questions that, that lead you to a great exactly. solution. And if we we're going to talk about fear and insecurity, I think I'd really like to take over this conversation. <laughs> because I have a lot I'd like to say. Well, so speaking of, you know, speaking of people who maybe aren't the best collaborators, uh, this obviously is just a nature of the world we live in. 
Uh, and and Kevin, I wasn't referring to you. <laughs> you mean, meant, that's what speaking of which means, no, Jordan. I meant speaking of which when we were talking about maybe people who are feeling insecure for whatever reason. That's what I meant for the record. But uh, is there – we're so we're all in these positions, whether it is the college uh, kind of uh, group that you're working in or whether it's uh, in, in the office – where we're faced with the challenge of working with people who maybe aren't feeling so collaborative that day. What do you do in those situations? Do you feel like there is a, um, there's a good way to help uh, open that person up? I mean, I think it depends on why their day is bad. Sometimes it's best <laughs> just to go away and come back. <laughs> and that's okay. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. Yes. Um, but definitely, I think part what I meant when I, when I was speaking about being humble, I think that encourages other people to open up. And so if you have someone that's really struggling and it is typically because they're scared of being wrong or, Mm -hmm. you know, fearful to speak up, it is really sort of, you know, expressing those vulnerabilities and not having too many egos at the table and making them feel comfortable with opening up because that's really, um, I feel like how you, you get people to really start to express themselves is when they don't feel intimidated Mm -hmm. and it's just a very open conversation about solving a particular problem. And they also are very clear on a, what the goal is and B why we feel they're valuable and included on the particular collaboration. You Mm -hmm. know, we all bring something different to the table. And I think when you show someone why they're valuable, it certainly helps them open up as well. Yeah, I definitely think uh, going that little extra mile just to make people feel like they're being heard. Sometimes that's what it takes. A lot of times in collaborating, when you're having a discussion, you know, if if you have a dissenting opinion, it often feels like that other person is just disagreeing with you. But if you can go that, take that little extra step to be like, oh, I totally get where you're coming from and saying that out loud Mm -hmm. and then bringing it back to where where that might raise a problem for you or where that might take you, that person then feels, oh, okay, the other person is hearing me, not so much just waiting to speak. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I feel like the challenge is that you know, using the example of this bad collaborator, uh, sometimes the challenge that that person is facing is that they, maybe they have a very strong sense of personal ownership on the project or um, challenge or whatever it is that this, this larger group is trying to solve. So sometimes they're coming into these situations feeling like by opening up the, uh, the project to a larger group, they're ultimately relinquishing control and therefore relinquishing ownership and therefore feel detached from this group. Do you guys feel like, do you guys feel like collaboration is is related to to uh, individual ownership of the feeling of individual ownership, or is there a way to maintain that somehow within collaborative processes? Well, I think it comes down to how comfortable you are with collaboration. Like that's what it all comes back to because mm-hmm. it is you are conceding ownership to if mm-hmm. you're working on a project for a week or a month, yeah. and then all of a sudden a team comes in, you are relinquishing some of that control. Um, but that doesn't mean that you're losing ownership necessarily. Right. So you have to be comfortable with that. You have to be able to step back and see that um, before you can move forward, I guess, in a productive way. But because that both those things are true, you are relinquishing some of your ownership, but you're also still an owner of it with these other people, which just makes it stronger. So you just have to realize that, I think. Uh, no, I completely agree. I think that 
yes, by definition, your personal ownership of the project does, in a sense, decrease, but it is actually you are relinquishing that ownership to this larger team. And in a sense, if you can kind of maximize the, the um, you're opening up in a way that is actually going to make your enjoyment of it even more satisfying because ultimately let's use the example of maybe a manager who's bringing on someone more junior to ultimately help support the idea now of kind of like passing the ownership on to this next person. Yes, it's no longer your project, but you now have the satisfaction of seeing this person who you have a personal relationship shine and feeling personal ownership over that relationship, which in a sense is you know, maybe far more powerful than personal ownership of a project that's ultimately going to, you know, come and go. Uh, and I think, and I do think that it's like strengthens these bonds that make collaboration easy. I think there's a reason why you see, particularly in creative fields, whether it's a Broadway show or a movie or uh, a music artist, a recording artist, like why they use the same teams, you know, on over and over again, because you quickly kind of can drop into these uh, roles of feeling like safe to collaborate and your bonds are so strong that it makes the vulnerabilities that you're willing to share and that you're willing to open up even deeper, which makes like the heights that you can reach even higher. It's like very exciting. And yeah, to me, that's the greatest part is when you can kind of make these connections with team members that uh, ultimately, when you get to the other side of it, the, the relationship and the, the win or whatever it is feels so much sweeter because of the, the bonds that are there. I think what we do at Situation is usually a great example of that. Yeah, I was just going to say that. I think that it take a moment to self-promote and get all fuzzy inside. But <laughs> man, I love working with everybody here on projects day to day, big, small. It just like Oh, when things come together, when you like, whether you're starting it or you're coming in at a certain point, when you see it come together and like, website launches or even that e-blast goes out like it's just it's cool it's a cool feeling uh and it's great and i'm really i feel really lucky that i get to work with a bunch of different people every day so i want to take a complete left turn and and ask a true or false question so true or false collaboration is democratic everyone's voice is created equal jackie i would say that collaboration is Democratic, everyone's voice is heard, but at some point, if there is indecision among the group, there does have to be a determining voice in the room. Um, so, you didn't answer the question, Jackie. I was I just going to say, it's Jackie, twenty sixteen over here. Black and white. <laughs> I think I'll run for president. <laughs> Um, no, honestly, I think at the end of the day, if you're in gridlock about opinions, there does have to sort of be that person in the room who can weigh everything, who is at the end of the day, probably accountable, uh, on a personal level for the project. And they do have to be able to, you know, toe the line and respect everyone's opinions, but make a judgment call on what is the best solution given the circumstances. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's, it works out all great and everyone's equal and life is great, but sometimes you need that person. Yeah. So To help kind of like yeah. guide the group and make an executive decision exactly. and get everybody on board to take a step forward. Exactly. So knowing that we think that there's not a right answer, 
or rather there are two right answers to uh, collaboration being democratic and everyone's voice being equal. The next question I'll ask is, do you feel like, is it ever possible to be overly collaborative? Is there ever a world where there's, you know, too much collaboration and ultimately that's weighing something down? Is that possible? Kevin? Uh Definitely. I, th- I think so. Not uh, overly collaborative may not be the, like the best way to put it, but uh, more just going back I'm to... I'm sorry. I'll take that back. Please take... No, yeah. No. Would you rescind the question? <laughs> um, no, but going back to that idea of having people in charge of a project, some people being able to take charge at a certain point, um, I do, like, I say, like we were saying before, I do agree with that. Um, everybody's voice should be heard. Mm-hmm. Um, you talk about it, but you do have to come to... Come to some kind of consens- consensus at some point, and you, in certain, depending on the life stage of the project that you're in, uh, we can't just keep uh, coming up with new ideas or inputting more information or more opinions. Like you have to find a path and follow it eventually, and so that's when you can start backtracking from being overly collaborative. So in a sense, there's like a continuum of what it means to be collaborative in a project's life cycle. For sure. Like, I mean, Jackie, I'm sure this is something just in your role at the agency Mm -hmm. you see all the time. All the time. Uh, My favorite is, you know, there's someone in a corner office, not you, Damien, (laughs) (laughs) that, you know, it doesn't care about a particular thing that we're working on. And then we're way into the collaboration process. And then that person does care. And so figuring out how to take a step back and, and really take steps back in the collaboration process or say, no, we're that pa- that point is past. The sheetrock is up. I always like to say we can't redo the plumbing now. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about other alternatives. And so it kind of turns the, the discussion. Um, but yeah, there's definitely a point at which the project life cycle, the amount of collaboration is reduced because the sheetrock is up and we have to go with the plan. I like that metaphor a lot. I like that. (laughs) So knowing that the quality of collaboration, the ability to be collaborative may be one of the most valuable qualities that we, that we have in our coworkers, you know, we're, we're always in the process of, of hiring folks. Many people I imagine who are listening are, have either been in or, you know, will be in the process of hiring someone. How can you sit, is there any way to sit in an interview and gauge someone's collaborative aptitude? Is that, is it possible to do that? I think the answer is absolutely yes. And I think this is one of the number one things we should be looking for as we're interviewing different candidates. Uh, I think it's all about answering, asking situational questions mm-hmm. and reading their tone of their responses. Uh, does it seem like there's a lot of ego in their response? You know, I'm right. And, and if the worst thing is when someone is sort of downplaying another department in an interview, um, these are, are signs to run as fast as you can because this person is likely not going to sit in a room with a diverse group of people and hear their opinions. Um, so I think it's really asking those situational questions and really reading what it is their response is saying, their body language, their tone, uh, because you can pretty quickly identify somebody who is likely not going to fit within the group. And you can be as, as textbook smart as you want, but if you can't collaborate, the chances are that you will not work, be successful. 
in in most so positions. In a choice between someone who has all the credentials, the exact experience, and kind of the talent to deliver on that. If you're faced between that person and let's say the person who uh, you, you know has solid experience but not exactly what you're looking for, you know, uh, but you, it's clear this person is a great collaborator. Is there, you know, is that a hard decision for you, or do you feel like that's a straightforward choice? Very straightforward. 100% collaborator. <laughs> collaborator mm-hmm. wins. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Yeah, because mm-hmm. I do feel like it is, you know, um, in, in this day and age, when it comes to kind of having experts, I hate to say it can always be outsourced because that's not really what I mean. But we, you can always find a really smart person to kind of bring into the fold at the right moment. But ultimately, the longevity and the sustainability of having someone collaborative, it does seem like that's just irreplaceable. It is. And we have Google, let's be honest. (laughs) (laughs) So if you don't know the problem and the answer, you can always Google. (laughs) Are you you a humble, confident collaborator who knows how to use Google? (laughs) Apply the situation today. Great. Well, you guys, this has been like the best, the best conversation. I got to be Charlie Rose. It's been awesome. We miss Peter. Uh, But I just want to say thank you so much for joining this conversation and kind of uh, letting us introduce this idea to our listeners. Uh, So for those of you who are listening, thank you so much. We appreciate it. If you have any questions uh, about this topic or about specific topics that you'd like to hear in the future, please send us an email at podcast at situation.nyc. Thank you too so much for doing this. I appreciate your time and um, happy listening to all our listeners. Thanks, guys. Thanks.